have to tell you that cybersecurity is a growing concern in the logistics industry, especially as veteran companies make the digital transition for most of their business processes online. But every day there seems to be a new cybersecurity issue affecting numerous parts of the supply chain. But since we do have to have this reminder, who better than Dan Foster of Stratus Grid to break it all down for us? Hi, my name is Blythe Brimley of DigitalDispatch.io, and as someone who's been hashtag very online for the last decade plus, the hacking world fascinates me. Of course, most of it is unethical, but as more and more of our world moves online, it's never been more important for brands and companies to take the necessary precautions now so that you can mitigate future risks down the line, even if you think you're quote unquote, too small to get hacked. The truth is everyone is hackable. So let's try to set up as many blockades as possible. And Dan is going to help show us how. I hope you guys enjoy this one. Go ahead and bring in Dan Foster. He is the VP of operations over at Stratus Grid. And he's going to break down some of the latest IT infrastructure that's going on in the world and, and also how we can protect ourselves from ransomware. But before we dive into sort of those, you know, I guess more important questions, First of all, I want to hear about the cool name and the logo that you guys have. You guys, you know, sent me a, a little swag bag full of like little gifts and I love the rocket ship. So I was just wondering where you guys came up with a lot of that different marketing and branding. So I think it's brilliant. Hey, I saw the rocket and good afternoon. <laughs> and thank you for having me, Bly. It's good to see you again. Absolutely. Likewise. So the, the Stratus part of it is pretty clear. It's kind of cloud. We were a cloud first uh, company and uh, it, uh, branding kind of came around from a very early uh, part of the company around 2009. So Justin Schultz was the founder of Stratus Grid, saw how transformative this technology was going to be in the industry and kind of wanted to focus on that. Uh, and it kind of really kind of uh, all centers around taking this into space. So there's lots of terminology about launching. So we actually take uh, uh, some new software and we launch it, you know, so that's kind of one of the things. Another part of it is kind of goes around the space industry as a whole, because the space industry has always kind of represented the cutting edge of technology for the most part. So they, they've got movies about it, you know, how this has always been where all of this is kind of going. So it all kind of worked together in a synergy of like, hey, let's look at the cloud and let's look at this technology and let's see how it's going to just continue to go, you know, and that is pretty well proven accurate. <laughs> you know, I mean, this is the, I, I think just about everybody can at least talk about the cloud, though they might not really understand what it means. Well, speaking of the cloud, a graphic that your team put out <laughs> said up to 40 times, cloud computing is up to 40 times more cost effective than running in-house IT systems for small to medium-sized businesses. Now, what exactly does that entail as far as you know IT infrastructure? And what are some of the basics that people need to keep in mind as their business grows? So some of the basics, and there's really a, a, a quite a, there's a switch in the way this actually is now working. So it kind of comes from uh, a capital expenditure to an operating expenditure. So when you're a brand new business or you have gotten to a certain point in your uh, growth or you've outgrown some of your equipment, you have to buy more, right? Uh, or you either are a brand new business and I need to buy something so I can start putting all of my applications, I need to store my files, I need to do whatever. So that has a that has a finite number, that has a number. And you almost have to not guess, that's going to be the wrong word, but you have to find a way to 
uh, judge how well this is going to serve your company moving forward. Well, when you move over to something like uh, we're an AWS shop, but they're all very similar, where it's a pay-as-you-go. It's very much like a light switch. So you're able to launch all of these applications. You're able to do all the things that you have done traditionally in that closet, but now it's up in the cloud. And whenever you use it, now you're incurring cost. And that just kind of stays that way ongoing. So what is kind of sometimes I heard Grace talking about ROI, which is a great segue into this. People want to know what that return on investment looks like. Well, you have a continuing cost associated to this that will vary depending on your workload. So if you have to leave the lights on longer, you know, it's going to cost a little bit more. But three years from now, you're not going to have that big capital expense of, hey, I've grown so much, I need to get new equipment or my old equipment is aged out. Now I'm going to have a $100,000, $200,000 to get me back up in current. Mm. So I know that you can't really speak to, you know, sort of specifics when it comes to, you know, companies, but as a whole, what are some of the, the IT trends that, that freight companies are pursuing or, or some maybe that they should be pursuing, especially in a post, you know, I guess a post COVID world is what we're living in now. Yeah. And uh, that's a great question, Bud. Thank you so much. That one. Um, so what we're seeing a lot of, and it's not just specific to, uh, transportation logistics, but we see this a lot where they're, they're looking to bridge a gap. They, they find something that is not quite right. I can't, I can't have good visibility. Well, here's this one advertisement for this one application. Let me just get that one thing and this will solve all of my problems. Uh, and ultimately what ends up happening is they'll get it. It'll get uh, implemented into an environment and it just kind of muddies up the waters. You know, I mean, we, the, the, People at the bottom level, the people that are actually in the trenches doing the work, uh, they will generally find a way to get through their day to day. And now you just introduce a brand new something just because it looked like the right fit. Sometimes it works. Most of the time it doesn't. And what we're hearing a lot of is trying to implement and integrate a lot of these tools. So that will happen multiple times. And then what will end up happening is there will become some level of dependency on that application. And now it has to stay. And now we're going to add another one. And before you know it, you've got five or six of these. They're all over the place, you know, and they don't really talk with each other. And it just really makes it worse. And hmm. uh, the second part of your question is, is what should they be doing? And that is a deep, that's a deep conversation, you know, <laughs> so especially uh, around uh, what has happened over the last couple of weeks with Colonial Pipeline, you know, so that's always on everybody's mind. Uh, we have some some recommendations. Uh, baselining is a term we'd like to use. We want to make sure that people are really focused on fundamentals of maintaining their environment. And this is really not new information. There's really no silver bullet to this. Uh, there's really, you have to have a good solution in place for patching everything. You need to have good backups in place that have been tested. And that's, a, that's something that is skipped by and large, by most organizations where they, they don't test their backup. So how do you even know if your data is protected? And it needs to be separated from everything else. Um, and some other simple things like that are more common now is like two-factor authentication or multi-factor authentication. I think you and I have actually had that conversation. Yes, we and, have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, to be, and to be honest, and this kind of comes back to my silver bullet, there's no one thing that can be done but it kind of comes back to 
being uh, the differences between a hard target and a soft target. These people that are actually coming in trying to get and take advantage of and find people that are vulnerable, if you make it just a little bit harder than that next guy, they will pass you by. This Mm -hmm. is a job to them. They're going to come in there and they're going to try to find the easiest one. If you've taken some of these steps and it's too tough, they'll just skip you. So, I mean, that's really one of the things you want to get to that baseline and stay on that baseline because they're not necessarily coming after somebody. They're coming after the easiest target. That's a great point because it's almost like if you're a robber, are you going to go to the house with the door that's unlocked? Or are you going to go to the house with that has the multiple barricades in, in place where somebody can't reach it? Obviously, you're going to go to the one that has you know the, the door unlocked and maybe even just wide open in order to exploit those vulnerabilities. So most of us in sort of the, the, the tech world know that if a hacker wants to get in, they will get in. It's not a matter of if, but when. Has Stratusgrid ever had to combat against a hack? And if so, what does that sort of, I guess, war room look like when you're actively trying to fight against hackers? I imagine it's like a medieval warfare, but I'm sure it's probably not like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you described it perfectly. I mean, my suit of armor is in the other room. I mean, we stood <laughs> up and go at it. Uh, you know, and I mean, the the biggest piece of advice, yes, we've, we've been there, um, uh, but we don't you know, specialize specifically in security, but every IT company is a security company, you know? So uh, what we're always saying is if we ever get to that stage, it's you're already in a mess, you know? Mm-hmm. So the, the best advice I can give is from the previous comment, you know, prepare yourself ahead of time. Uh, and the most important thing is don't panic, you know? And some of the things that are, uh, kind of a little counterintuitive. If it looks like it is something that is legitimate, let somebody know and don't necessarily just close it directly out. I mean, you don't want to just leave it, you know, running indefinitely. Um, but also if you see it, the damage is probably already done. And if you want to be able to try to reverse that and get somebody to be able to find something. Uh, when you talk about seeing something, what, what are, what say I'm, I'm a freight broker sitting, you know, working in my TMS is, is what, what kind of red flags would, would pop up to, to make me know that something is, has gone awry. So we could talk ransomware is kind of one of the most prolific right now, uh, is we, if you have common files that are no longer accessible, you were in it this morning and then all of a sudden you can't get into it. Uh, those are some of the indicators. Um, if you start seeing, uh, you know, unusual slowness in your network, um, like I said, there's, there's so many. <laughs> like, like a DDoS attack is what happened to a, a friend of mine recently. They run a podcasting host or a podcast hosting company, and they were the victim of that. And they refused to pay the, the hackers, which I thought was brilliant. And, and sort of on the flip side of what Colonial Pipeline strategy mm-hmm. was, is they just outright paid them and then got their information back. Do you think that, that paying them is a good idea? Or is it sort of like the, the mantra of we, we don't do business, we don't negotiate with terrorists? Is, is that more of the the hard line thinking yeah well there there's some pretty significant differences between a ddos and a uh and a ransomware ransomware is exactly what it sounds like they have it you know if they have a successful ransomware against it they've got your data and it's encrypted uh and encrypted you're not you're just not going to break it so it really comes down to that's where your backups and test restorals come into play and that's where i don't know this for sure i mean i've been keeping an eye on Colonial, 
uh, just having been in the industry as long as I have, that's it. I mean, if, if, if they don't have a, a good backup, they don't have any options, you know? Uh, and it, so if they've got your operational data, you have to have that operational data that is not going to be broken. Uh, they, we don't have international cybersecurity laws that are really enforced. That's why you see a lot of this is happening from outside of the United States. So the, the cyber world doesn't have borders, you know? So that's why it's just, it's, they'll perpetuate from Russia, China, Korea, uh, and there's really not a whole lot of uh, options to do. That's why you have to get in front of it. You have to be you have to be that harder target, and you have to be prepared that everything is lost. You know, so that's why it is just critical that you have a good solution in place to combat this. You know, before it ever happens, if they ever get you, you're you're gone. Uh, True. And a D and a, and a DDoS, it, you know. Is a slightly different. That is, you know, a denial of service. They just keep sending you things. Well, that can actually be mitigated generally by, um, you know, like an ISP, an internet service provider. They are able to kind of shut that off to the side, and it happens relatively quickly, you know, uh, again. But that's not necessarily impacting your data. That's just impacting people's ability to get to it, you know. So, so. It does. It, it makes a ton of sense. So you you mentioned keeping your baseline and ke- getting out in front of it by keeping backups of your of your data and of your information, and and then also being able to have a quality provider that can protect you from that in the future. But what about as far as the the current landscape of freight technology? Where do you sort of see it evolving in the next five years or so? Which is I know is an eternity in the technology in, in the tech space, but maybe you know g- give us a few ideas of where the freight industry is evolving. Yeah, what we're actually seeing in the freight industry, and this is a uh, this is a uh, an area that has largely been kind of not ignored, but they don't adopt technology as quickly as we see in other industries. Um, and but what we're starting to see now is that there's uh, they're starting to become quite an enthusiasm around technology and how it's actually helping to impact positively uh, into this industry. So generally speaking, and this has been uh, forever and ever, amen, is that ROI around uh, IT and most uh, business owners. Again, this isn't specific to transportation and logistics. It's a very expensive and it just looks like a cost center. Uh, and oftentimes, like, well, I don't want to drop the money into that. You know, that's just too expensive. And it really comes down into IT security. And I've said it for years that IT is, IT is expensive. IT security is even more so. And it's really sometimes can be a bitter pill to drop all of this money into IT security and the intent is for nothing to happen. So that's, you know, that's hard, you know I mean? I'm it is, it's very difficult. I think yeah, for a lot like, of companies to, to face that. Yeah. And so, it, like so, so learning all of the things that, that we've learned from about Stratus Grid today and sort of IT infrastructure and, and protecting yourselves against ransomware, I wanted to kind of take it in a, in a slightly different direction because I, I know that you have an extensive military background and, and I, you know, years ago had the opportunity to participate in the Navy's DV Embark program where I got to land, I got to take off and, and stay the night on an aircraft carrier, which is a, an incredible experience and gave me a, a whole new appreciation for, for military service men and women. And I know that since you've had a lengthy military career in mili- and with Memorial Day coming up, I just kind of wanted to give you the opportunity to, to speak on what service has, has meant to you. 
Yeah, and I appreciate that. And what's actually kind of surprising, uh, I saw uh, a note that you had sent me about that, uh, is you were on the the uh, the Harry S. Truman. Truman. I've yeah. actually, I've actually, I'm Air Force. I'm retired Air Force. Did 20 year career, so it's unusual for me to have ever landed on an aircraft carrier. But I have also landed uh, on that uh, on that aircraft carrier. You oh, know, nice! This yeah. small world, yeah. I guess. Absolutely. <laughs> or small carrier <laughs> world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This was actually off. Uh, actually, maybe it had been the Theodore Roosevelt. Anyway, I, I also landed on a, a carrier, and that was one of my highlights of my Air Force career is being able to do that. So that was pretty fantastic. So uh, I am aware, and I appreciate you giving me the time to talk about that. So uh, I've now actually been retired for almost eight years. Uh, it seems kind of surreal that you know the vast majority of my youth was spent there, and uh, I look back on it very fondly. There's obviously not great times, but also some really uh, transformative times. And I learned a lot and I learned, I uh, had some very impactful people in my life that continue to be. Um, and what I really wanted to kind of bring from that, and I continue to strive here and something from your previous guest, Grace, was when she was talking about the authenticity of the people. That's really what I want to try to take some of that time, not militant, not, you know, everybody has to be here at one time, but there was a, a sense of camaraderie, a sense of teamwork and being able to have that trust of, you know, if I, if I hand something over to the person next to me, you know, I have the utmost belief that that will be picked up and handled. And I've got all the support behind me and I've got the support of my leaders. I want to bring that here. You know, I want to kind of bring that internally and try to build those teams. Uh, so that's one of the things that I really, love and miss. Appreciate that that sentiment, especially with Memorial Day coming up. All right, Dan, where can people find more about Stratus Grid and, and, and all of the work you guys do? I'm really excited to hear from everybody, and I'd love for people to uh, send us an email at sales at stratusgrid.com, and I will have my guys reach out. And if y'all have questions, please don't hesitate. We are quite passionate about just trying to help. We want to be helpful in this industry, uh, and we really want to ha have these conversations. So if there's anything about this that caught someone's attention and they just want to like, hey, do you mind just talking to me about it further? We would be happy to. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, Dan. Thank you, Blythe. Have a wonderful day. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Digital Dispatch Podcast. As always, you can find each show I publish along with more insight over on my website at digitaldispatch.io. If you like this podcast, and I think you'll love another show I host, Cyberly, which covers the attention economy, B2B marketing, and how it all ties into the world of logistics. That show airs every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here live on Freight Waves TV. There are also some links to my social media accounts along with my products and services that might be of interest to you found in the show notes or again over on my digitaldispatch.io website. If you found this episode interesting and or entertaining, be sure to share it with a friend. Word of mouth is the best kind of marketing, and since podcast discoverability has and remains an issue in this medium, I trust that folks like yourself will share it with those who would also find it useful. Until next time, my name is Blythe Brumleaven. I will see you real soon.